This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Come to the Home Depot this month and you'll learn a thing or two. Actually, three with three free do-it-yourself workshops. Learn how to grow an edible raised garden bed, how to build a catch-all nightstand organizer, even how to install wall tile. See, it's never too late to learn something new. Register today at homedepot.com slash workshops for a free do-it-yourself workshop near you. Only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Fellas, I'm ready to get up and do my thing. Get into it, man, you know. Like, I, you know I'm the man, don't you? Can I count it off? One, two, three, four. You're listening to the Church Politics Podcast with Michael Ware and Justin Gibbony, where you can get in-depth political analysis from a Christian worldview. Transcend partisanship and political ideology with us as we seek true discipleship in the public square. This is the Church Politics Podcast with Michael Ware and Justin Gibney. Uh, we are uh, going to try and get through recording this podcast before another tweet from our president uh, adds <laughs> something else to our lineup. Yeah. Uh, but but that may that may be difficult to do. But but Justin, we'll we'll do our best. We will do our best. I'm glad to be here and. I've been having a good couple days, but I'm going to be honest with you, brother. When tracking the domestic dust bunny, you commonly find them hiding under wardrobes next to lost socks. Don't move too suddenly or they'll scurry off. What's utterly fascinating about the dust bunny is that although they are not actually sentient creatures, when they hear that Geico not only saves people money, but also has a 97% customer satisfaction rating, it's obvious to them you should switch. Because, yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Oh, no, it's the dust bunny's only natural predator. Run along, dust bunnies. Run along. Where I had to kind of stay away from social media a little bit. It, it is a mess. It, it is completely <laughs> toxic right now. And I had to say, you know what? Let me back up off this and focus on uh, playing with my boys or doing something else because <laughs> this is just frustrating. Yeah, it, it's it's unbelievable. So <laughs> we're, we're going to get to that. And there's a lot to discuss, a lot to uh, go over. Um, you know, there's so so much to cover uh, about how President Trump has inserted himself um, in such a profoundly negative and corrosive way um, with with protests and with NBA, NFL. Um, he's going to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, criticizing, you know, uh, U.S. handball players pretty soon. I mean, he's just <laughs> he's just taking on everybody. Um, but but first, you know, we, we talked with Eugene. Last week, Eugene Scott, the uh, C- CNN analyst, Washington Post, um, we were so grateful to have him on. He gave us a, a really good preview of what we saw 
last week as healthcare developed, um, and, and there were some developments uh, uh, since since last week. Uh, so you know, I, I feel like we should have like a jingle, like a like a repeal and replace jingle or something, since we end up talking about healthcare just about every week. But uh, Justin, they're they're taking another shot at it, but it took something of a if not a death blow, certainly, um, uh, you, you know, it's this newest effort to repeal Obamacare is on its heels after Senator John McCain, uh, once again, although with less drama this time, uh, indicated that he would not be supporting supporting the bill. Uh, do you think Republicans are just going to keep on going at this thing? They're determined. Uh, you got to say something has to be said about their determination. That. Yeah, something has to be said about their determination. They're going to keep coming back. And I think part of the reason is they don't they know they can't go home and say that we didn't try as hard as we could to get rid of Obamacare, because we as we do know, and we've talked about this before with the premiums rising. There are problems with Obamacare. Yeah. Uh, so I'll give them that. But I think part of it, too, and I've said this ad nauseum is to really get their tax form uh, off like they want to. I, re I think they need <laughs> they need to have this out the way first if they really want to cut taxes. And so just so everybody knows, we're, we're talking about the Graham-Cassidy bill, which is a, yeah, right. a health care bill from Lindsey Graham, who's a senator in South Carolina, and Bill Cassidy, who's a senator in Louisiana. And again, it's the latest attempt by the grand old party to repeal Obamacare. Now, they're saying repeal Obamacare, but Senator Rand Paul would beg to differ. He's actually saying that he's against it because it doesn't actually repeal and replace Obamacare. Technically, he would be right. If we get into the substance of what's going on here, one of the main things we're going to have to look at is Medicaid. Medicaid is something everybody's worried about with these uh, GOP bills. And because, as we know, uh, Medicaid provides about uh, health care for about uh, 20 percent of Americans, uh, including 40 percent of children. Now, it's dealt with in this bill. Uh, it, this bill would give the 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 Graham Cassidy bill would give states control uh, over how they spend these funds. So now, you know, those those funds are ma the majority of the control is in the hands of the uh, federal um, government, because if they're federal funds, this would kind of kick it down to the states and would actually cut Medicaid over time. Mm. So that's one of the parts. Then you, then we can get into pre-existing conditions, which is another issue that a lot of people are for good reason worried about with these Republican uh, health care bills. This particular bill would give states the ability, the ability to waive pre-existing the pre-existing condition requirement if they were able to pers persuade the Department of Health and Human Services that they would maintain access to adequate affordable coverage. I think right. the critics are right here when they suspect that the standard would probably be set too low, if not this just being here for show. Uh, so right. nobody believes, you know, if, if they can waive it and people don't really believe a lot of Republicans want to keep it. It might just be too easy to do that. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, it, I, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's some difficulty with these bills, right? Cause, cause once again, so far, this bill has not been scored by the CBO and that, that is intentional. That's strategic on their part. Um, and part of it, I get it right. Because you take away just the individual mandate, um, and the CBO scores that as millions of people not not uh, no longer having insurance because they're no longer uh, penalized for not having insurance. So, uh, like I I I get that Republicans feel like politically, sort of from a public relations standpoint, 
uh, the CBO uh, score kind of cooks things uh, uh, against them. Uh, they they have some other PR issues as well, which, you know, looking back on this weekend, it just kind of hit me, Justin. Um, it if if there was a theme to this week, it was uh, the influence that uh, celebrities and entertainers mm. um, and people outside of yes, politics so. are are having on the political process. So yeah. uh, you have Jimmy Kimmel who drove you know three four days of public debate around healthcare. He he spent uh, uh, multiple segments on his late night show talking about this i heard someone else comment you know this whole idea of a kimmel test uh, applied to repeal and replace healthcare which is which is basically um m- making sure that uh that uh, uh it, even with repeal that uh uh that uh kimmel's uh kid and and others in similar situations would be covered still um uh, that was created by Senator Cassidy, the author of the bill, and yet his own bill, by by most reports, fails to meet that standard. And so Jimmy Kimmel went pretty pretty hard, and um, it it really drove the drove the conversation. So you know, there's there's a narrow conversation we could have about healthcare that's that's important. I, I'm also interested in. Uh, all of the various inputs that politicians have to consider that really weren't so viable, you know, 20, 30 years ago, they don't just have to worry about what Chuck Schumer is saying about their health care bill. They got to worry about, you know, what Jimmy Kimmel, who has an audience of millions every night. Yeah, is saying. That's true. Just, now, now some would say, no, that's right. True. Now some would say on the conservative side, I, I heard some people saying, well, actually, Schumer was kind of behind this because Jimmy Kimmel got his talking points from Schumer. And somehow this came out uh, that, you know, he had talked to Schumer's team before kind of making his comments and hadn't actually read the bill himself. What was dependent on those talking points? Mm. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Schumer is a, a very shrewd operator. Uh, so we will have to see. But but your point is, is well taken. Uh, he played either way. Jimmy Kimmel played a huge role in this. And he seems to be coming off very much so as an objective person that's saying, look, I'm applying it in a real way. This is how it affects people. This is how it's affecting my family. And I let you create the test. This is your test and you're failing your own test. Something else that I think worries people about this is that you would no longer, you know, this bill would no longer uh, force insurers to cover essential health benefits. So these are things like maternity uh, care, mental health, prescription drugs, emergency care, and so on. Um, I think, the folks who support this would say, well, people choose their own. So if they don't need uh, maternity care, why would they have to get it if they don't plan on having children or uh, if they don't need, you know, one emergency care? That's something that they get to choose. The idea being that this would keep costs down. And so there's some yeah. dispute there, too, but just more and more issues that really need to be addressed here. And in yeah. a way, when I look at this bill, a lot of it seems to me like they're just kicking the can to the states. Yeah, um, right. You know, when it comes to we, we've already talked about when it comes to pre-existing conditions, when it comes to Medicaid, that's all going to be handled by the state. So it's almost these senators saying, hey, you guys take care of this. We need to just need to get this passed, get our cut so we can kind of uh, move on. But that's not good. I'm not sure that's necessarily good for the American people, because all you're doing is pushing these big, long fights down to the state level. Um, yeah. And you're not really providing any certainty for the people who need it. Uh, yeah. And I think that's important. And Justin, you know, that touches on, you know, 
the aspect of this debate that's really uh it's really been coming home for me, which is you see so many people throwing their hands up in the air and uh, on the progressive side um you know i I think a level of um anger impatience um you know i I saw people saying, you know what could possibly be their their rationale for you know pursuing this bill other than you know hurting families and this and that and you know it's just important to remember uh like this is actually to me more of a conventional uh political disagreement which i i think we're not used to you know having uh, you know someone in the in the white house that doesn't have really well thought out policy views but but look republicans want to repeal obamacare because uh because they have an ideological view that government is going to be more harmful than helpful and the more control federal government has the less liberty folks are going to have and the less control over their own lives and that's a that's a that's a policy debate that i think um we sh- we should have we've been having it for decades um but it's it, it's almost as if progressives are worried about having the debate on that level, so they have to launch these like uh, uh, you know Republicans are trying to you know kill kill your auntie kind of kind yeah, of debates, right. <laughs> um, uh, which you know isn't right. Like none of this is surprising. Like they don't like the federal government. <laughs> Obamacare <laughs> involves the federal government, <laughs> and so they're against it. Like like it's not. I don't understand why why we got got to pretend there's some mystery or ulterior motive to this whole thing that's right and there's a lot of people speaking who are uninformed i forgot who made who said this quote but i love it it's like if you don't know the other side of the argument you really know little of your own and so when i go on social media and hear some of the commentary that 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 we see every day it tells me that you don't really understand the conservative point of view you take what people have interpreted for you and use that and the talking points and all the things we hear all the time. But do you really understand the point of view? Now, I'm not saying that you would think that point of view was right. Right. But you would be able to address it in a way that was more informed rather than just saying, oh, they don't care if people die. They want kids to die and all this other stuff. It's just not yeah. helpful. Um, I don't know of anybody who feels this way. Now, I can say that I think many of them are not being completely responsible or compassionate with how they go about it. I'm not going to yeah. say that they <laughs> don't care if people die. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I think I think that's right. I, the the last thing I want to touch on on this healthcare debate, um, you know, and, and and this podcast will air after, so we're recording on Sunday. Podcast will come out on Tuesday. On Monday night, unless something changes, there will be a debate on CNN, uh, with uh, Graham and Cassidy, the Republican co-sponsors of this bill. Uh, and then Bernie Sanders and Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota, uh, Senator from Minnesota. There are a number of things interesting about this and the reaction to it. First, there were all these reports about, you know, quote unquote, Democratic strategists who were uh, concerned that, um, you know, when we're supposed to be defending Obamacare, that uh, that the attention would be going uh, to, to Bernie and single payer. Um, and, and my 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 two comments to that are well then why is like like I, I agree there's some concern to be had there but half of the <laughs> there are now oh, I believe over a dozen Democratic senators and it may be much more than that a number 15, of Democratic oh, senators 
yeah, have come out to 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 sponsor single pair. So don't put mm-hmm. this all on all on Bernie. And then second of all, um, and I think we've we've talked about this just I love Amy Klobuchar. And the fact that all these Democratic strategists would would rather anonymously give quotes about how scared they were about Bernie than say, look, Amy Klobuchar is the only Democrat who's who's going to be on the stage that night. She's the one representing the Democratic Party. Amy Klobuchar is a moderate senator from Minnesota. She she'll she's going to do a great job. But but this whole this whole idea that that. Uh, you know, Amy Klobuchar, who's been in the Senate for a while, is like some understudy to Bernie Sanders is yeah. is just ridiculous and, and, you know, really a little a little offensive. Again, especially since she's the only Democrat who will be on the stage that night. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw those criticisms, too, and, and I felt the same way. Uh, some other things I heard is like, why is he giving the Republicans a platform to talk about this? Like they didn't want to debate the issue. And I'm like, right. if, if you don't right. want to debate the issue, yeah. then you don't need to. You in the wrong. You playing the wrong sport. <laughs> I, I applaud Bernie Sanders for debating this issue and having this conversation. It needs to be had. If you truly believe your policy is the best, then you have to have this. In fact, this should be the norm. Yeah, so right. shout out for for Senator Bernard Sanders uh, for for bringing this to the table. Now, exactly. as you said earlier, I, I think we got to get into Bernie's uh, bill too because yeah. he, he had 15 other um, Democrats uh, sign on or co-sponsor his single payer health care uh, bill that he was putting yeah. out there. Now, for those, most of you probably already know, but single payer is basically Medicare for everyone. It's health care uh, where the financing would be handled by a single public agency or a single uh, quasi public agency. Right. And so when they were presenting this bill, I think this was two or three weeks ago, uh, Bernie Sanders said this. He said, do we as a nation join the rest of the industrialized world and guarantee comprehensive health care to every person as a human right. So that's what he's calling to question. That's what you're probably going to hear coming up in the next day or so in this debate. Now, this this is huge for Bernie, though, because he's brought the he's controlling the debate on health care. The fact that 15 other Democrats, including poten- potential presidential candidates, co-sponsored this single payer bill with yeah. him means that he has moved the needle. <laughs> In a very serious way. Now, everybody doesn't agree with it because you'll find that Schumer and Pelosi, they have not signed on to this. Um, And I've seen some good commentary on this particular bill. Not all of it has been flattering for Bernie. Jonathan Chait, who's a very good uh, progressive writer, he said this. Uh, He said the barrier to single payer is not the American health is is that the American health care system has been built by accident around employer based insurance. The rhetoric of single payer concentrates its moral emphasis on people who lack insurance at all. But the barrier to single payer uh, health care is the people who already have coverage. Right. Designing, designing a single payer system means not only covering the uninsured, but financing the cost of moving the 155 million Americans who have employer-based insurance on to Medicare. He says that this is not just a detail to be worked out. It's the entire problem. Right. The, the impossibility of this barrier is why Lyndon Johnson gave up trying to pass universal health, a universal health care bill and instead confined his legislation to the elderly. It's why Barack Obama left the employer-based system intact and created alternate coverage for non-elderly people outside of it. 
Yeah. Very, very good uh, conversation and article by Jonathan Chape. And really, he's saying this bill is cool, but it doesn't really answer any of the hard questions about why we don't already have single pay. Yeah. And, and so, so I, you know, like so many issues that that seem to be picking up steam. Uh, it, it, it's it's almost a, it's like they're embraced before they could even be discussed. Um, right. So so I know that single payer has been an issue in in academic and activist circles of the left, but for for there to be such a rush to this without um, without uh, a full discussion, which is maybe what we're going to have now, but I think it's significant. I will say the other thing, Justin, is you know I do think people are right to have. I, I do think you know the strategists are right to have some. Uh, 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 some some hesitation, some concern um, that after decades and decades of Democrats uh, trying to advance universal health care and all of the rhetoric, all of the political costs, everything that went into passing the Affordable Care Act, that uh, not only is there going to be a bit of fatigue uh, among the American people for, you know, a, de- a new democratic effort to do what they uh, told everyone was going to be done with the last one, but 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 also a kind of like um, like like can we even take them seriously? Um, like like can we even take them seriously that when they they told us this bill was going to you know change everything, and then they're coming back to us not even a decade later saying that as as you point out, Justin, not only do we need more health reform, but the health reform that we need now is a complete undoing of the system that Obamacare affirmed and upheld. That <laughs> like swallowed it, up, a really swallowed up a, a lot yeah. of the time that he was in office. Yeah, <laughs> it swallowed I mean, up so, so much time defending it and all that stuff. It took a long time. Yeah, and it, you know, so I do think it's a little problematic, maybe not uh, substantively, so maybe there's a substantive case to be made that uh, that a bigger overhauling of the healthcare system is is needed to have something that's sustainable serves as many people as possible but just politically and just for the feeling of the country for, for the party and not just the party but many of the same people who it's not like we have brand new leadership it's not like Chuck Schumer wasn't you know wasn't around before it wasn't like Bernie Sanders wasn't around before for for for, for some of these people to go back to the american people and say um, you know, we want you to engage in another multi-year debate on yeah. health reform it is is a um, I'm not sure that's politically helpful for the party. It was it was it was political posturing, I think, for some of these prospective uh, presidential candidates in 2020. Uh, they didn't want Bernie Sanders to get out ahead of them. And so they just went along with it. So I, I, I see where it's problematic. My I think my response to these strategists was. You should have said something about this before you had 15 of your leaders <laughs> co-sign right. this legislation. Right. After that was done, you, you, you know, the party had basically taken its stance and now you have to debate it. Uh, yeah. So, so their commentary I get, but it's a little too late after you've taken that stand. Yeah. Well, Justin, so on September 23rd, uh, at real Donald Trump tweeted, uh, going to the white house is considered a great honor for a championship team. Uh, uh, Steph Curry is hesitating, therefore invitation is withdrawn, exc- exclamation point. Later that day, he tweeted, 
if a player wants the privilege of making millions of dollars. So, I mean, it's important to, it's important to really process and take in each word of these tweets because the, each one says so much. If a player wants the privilege of making millions of dollars in the NFL or other leagues, he or she should not be not be allowed to disrespect our great American flag and then parenthetical or country and should stand for the national anthem. If not, you're fired. Find something else to do. Um, so, you know, and this is a, a rope point, but, um, you know, when when he's not antagonizing uh, Kim Jong-un and, uh, you know, uh, 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 treating, uh, you know, nuclear uh, diplomacy like it was an episode of The Apprentice, uh, he is um, he is tweeting about uh, NFL and NBA players, sometimes naming them, uh, naming them specifically. Uh, and then just finally, uh, at this rally that he held, in Alabama, which I think is significant, um, that 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 he would be uh, saying this in a state with so much uh, history that is carried into today with racial prejudice and injustice. Um, they've recently just been uh, going through court cases that they've been specifically targeting uh, disenfranchising black voters. So it's not like like this is uh, he went to Alabama to say this. And he he called uh, Kaepernick, uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, a a sob, uh, and 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 said that uh, uh, said that if uh, players were kneeling during the national anthem, uh, wouldn't it be great if uh, if someone uh, if someone if the owners said to get that sob off the field? Uh, so so, th so that's that's where we are. Just I, I don't know if there are other aspects of. Uh, of of con you usually do a great job of laying out context. I don't know if I miss anything, but but uh, but but that's that's what we've been seeing over the last few days. <sighs> Look here, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to put it like this: here, we have to talk about this. Yeah. Uh, people are right to respond, but honestly, I don't even want to be talking about this right now. <laughs> right. Um, we should be talking about solving our healthcare issues. Yeah. We should be talking about Puerto Rico and what's going on down there. We should be talking about infrastructure because when we see all these floods and all this stuff going on, it's showing you that our infrastructure around the country is in terrible condition. We should be talking about how women in Flint, Michigan have seen their fertility rates yes. drop 12 percent. Yes. We should be talking about criminal justice. And the crazy thing about this is, is that this started based on a conversation about cr criminal justice. Mm -hmm. But it I don't even know if this conversation is about criminal justice anymore yeah. with all the silly comments that the president is making and everybody feeling like they have to clap back in the same way. <laughs> we've almost forgotten what we are talking about. That's right. Yeah. And so these huge issues where people are suffering right next to us, folks are spending their time and energy going back and forth about this stuff that I'm not going to say is completely insignificant. If y'all go make a statement, I'm not mad at anybody who made a statement because right. they were put in a position where they had to. I get that. I'm not mad at you. But as I said before, over and over, let's get to the policy. Yeah. Let's stop. Let's stop applauding every time somebody right. says something just as nasty to Trump as he yeah. said before. I'm not I'm not trying to debate everything that he said. Let's move on and try to get something done.
So we don't even know what we're talking about anymore. And, and, and I said this earlier when we first started this uh, this episode. I had to just step back from social media a little bit in the last few days because people it's just toxic. I mean, people are are focused on all the wrong things when that list of issues and that's just a short list of issues that we could really be talking about that are affecting people every day that people are suffering through that our uh, Congress and others aren't doing anything to, to, to solve right now because they can't work together. But we're talking about all these comments over and over again. So, again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't respond or people shouldn't make statements. I think that is necessary. But it's sad that we've been distracted. Uh, by this silliness. Well, and and right, I mean, this this is what happens when you have a politics and political leaders um, that view their jobs and their roles and their sphere of authority as sort of all-consuming. That they just think that they um, can just swallow up all of you know every aspect of our lives. So, I mean, it is, it is a, um, you know, especially this is a concern I share with conservatives about, you know, this idea that politics is not ultimate. Unfortunately, what we're seeing with the Republican president who, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, a lot of the people who make this point didn't, didn't vote for, didn't vote for Donald Trump. But, but what we're seeing is, um, you, you know, this, you know, a, a narcissist. And I, I don't say that as like an underhanded attack. Just what, what else do you call the most powerful man in the world who, who views uh, tweeting at Steph Curry and calling a former NFL football player, a SOB at a, at a presidential rally, uh, an appropriate use of his time and influence. Like, like there, there's just no other, uh, explanation for and so to to me that the answer is uh, or part of the answer is uh, yes we need to speak out against the substance of what's happening but but more broadly we need to um we need to push politicians out of the spaces in our lives and in our culture where they do not belong where they have no we did not elect Donald Trump or any any other politician um to to be commenting on sports entertainers we didn't invite them into our lives so that they could be you know on late night tv every night or or any of these other this sort of pop cultureification of our politics um, man and we we really need to be pushing back on that and it, it's most powerful when you push back uh on a politician who's doing something that advances your own politics <laughs> because right, right. It's, it's one thing for me to say I don't want Donald Trump to be tweeting about sports. Well, I don't like a lot of what Donald Trump uh, does, but it's it's something else when when Trump supporters will say, "Look, I, I I voted for him. Maybe even they still support him." But what 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 is he doing? Inserting himself into the the hiring decisions of a football league, like like whether whether you're a liberty person, uh, whether you're uh, uh, a First Amendment person, uh, whether you're a small government person, like that, that breaks all the rules <laughs> like that, that any, any, there's no ideology of uh, uh, no respected ideology of, of federal government that says that the head of state should be commenting on, on what owners should do about their players. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, uh, 
we really need to push back on this encroaching of politics into into our lives. We do. And it's tough because it's it's, it's tough to draw the line. I was just I'm glad you brought this up because I was thinking about it earlier today. And I think entertainers should be able to speak out. I think they should speak out. I think they have a platform and use it when you have that platform. But there's a part of me that says because they're so intertwined right now, our policy, politics and entertainment. I don't know where one ends and the other begins. Mm. Yeah. I was having I was on a chat with some people and I think Kobe Bryant or somebody else made a comment calling, you know, saying something about Donald Trump. And then LeBron called him a bum and everybody's like, oh, man, they're woke. I'm like, that's great. But I don't know what that brings to the conversation. Right. right? I, I don't know. I don't know how that pushes us further. And I understand because being in politics actually helps you understand PR <laughs> um, in entertainment to some extent. Yeah, yeah. That people will say stuff that brings them attention. So I'm not questioning <laughs> anybody I named, but I'm saying there are some entertainers out there who have smart enough PR people that say, hey, say this, this and this. They'll love it and they're going to eat this up. Right. Right. So you right. have people playing a part in a real process when they're really just doing it to boost, you know, to, to boost their stats and to boost yeah. uh, their PR. So it's tough. And, and we talk ad nauseum about how Trump is destroying our discourse, how he is tainting uh, the entire process. We go back and forth on that in a real way, and we should continue to do that. And, and I'm primarily concerned when we have this conversations about that because he is the president. Right. But, but secondarily, I'll say this. I'm concerned about the fact that he has provided an opportunity <laughs> and provided cover for yeah. those who want to fuel the fire on the other side, yeah, yeah, for yeah. those who want to use his extremism as a justification for their own extremism. Right. You see, Trump's election in a weird way was not only a win for the far right, but strangely, it was also a win for the far left. Yeah. You know, for those yep. whose ideas were too extreme until Trump's madness made them seem uh, necessary. That's right. And I worry about that because I see these people going under the radar, doing all these things, throwing, you know, uh, uh, fuel on the on the fire and nobody's really noticing it. And that can be just as damaging as what we're seeing from our president. Yeah. And it's uh, just I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and, and, you know, you know, part of the environment that gets cultivated here is, you know, you say anything that you know is like well you know maybe what maybe what republicans are doing here isn't 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 all that bad or even you know of uh, you know uh even maybe you know approving of something that the republicans do and then uh you know uh it which side are you on well, why why are you right. giving cover right. to those <laughs> folks and right. and it's just like look i'm i'm just i'm not i'm not trying to give cover to anybody uh, i'm just trying to engage with reality uh, as it is and if, if you're asking me to put put uh uh, uh w one side of reality under the rug uh so you could get your political uh agenda forward then then i, I want to be a part of that i'm not someone who, who's gonna sweep reality under the rug uh but but it gets it gets to be a really kind of burdensome suffocating kind of kind of environment and i would just urge people for uh, you know, as 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 much as those those pressures are 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 real and and evident, um, uh, you know, you you got to be faithful to the the way that you th 
think about things and approach things, obviously considering external inputs and being in conversation with people. But if if you're kind of submerging uh, uh, your view and your outlook in particular cases, uh, that that's not helping anybody. That's actually contributing to uh, the system that we have where it looks like all that there is is far left and far right when that's that's not what this country uh that that's not the full story of what's happening in the in the uh political scene in this in this country far from it um and and i'm gonna name it because i, I don't even want to i don't want to um you know uh beat around the bush even a group like antifa right we've right. talked about yeah. them before they're they're a problem yeah, and if progressives problem. and academics and democrats don't seriously point out that they're a problem and don't uh, kind of behind the scenes support them or kind of behind the scenes. I'm actually glad they did that because it makes me feel better. It's going to be troubling. Now, let me say this, because sometimes anytime you uh, criticize the left, folks act like the only term they know is false equivalency. <laughs> I'm not equating them to white supremacists or anybody else on their own terms. Antifa is a problem and should not be supported in any way. Right. Yeah. Some, of, some of them are anarchists, not all of them. Uh, some of them see violence as the answer to somebody disagreeing with them. That's a problem and we cannot support it. And that goes for both sides. So what I think, you know, what I think we have to do is really just call Christians to stop spending so much time prophetizing uh, for their own side of the culture war and spend more si more time trying to disciple others through this conversation. How yeah. do we get through this? Because as a Christian, our main obligation can never be to protect ourselves. And I see that on both sides of the political spe spectrum mm -hmm. where Christians are primarily worried about protecting themselves instead of discipling people through these conversations. <laughs> it, it seems like the more negative and the more vitriolic the responses to Trump, the more we praise them. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing too many statements that are not redemptive, that yeah. are not corrective, but are plainly nasty. Yeah. Now, I'm not telling you to be soft or passive. That's not even that's not even how I get down. <laughs> but I'm saying that you do need to be constructive. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. in a real way, we are allowing Trump to change us. And yeah. that is a terrible thing. Yeah, Justin, I think that's a good word and a good reminder. Uh, just, you know, as difficult as it is to try and stay, you know, level headed. And, you know, as we've talked about before, when, when you mess up, uh, fess up and, and, yeah, and you know, right. acknowledge, uh, acknowledge, you know, like I, I went overboard on, on, you know, this tweet or in this conversation and, and that could be a good learning experience for, for everyone. But, uh, yeah, I, I, th I think with, with, with that, man, I, I don't know if you have anything else you, you want to cover, but, um, but that, that's, that's all I have, uh, uh, on this side. No, I'm with you. I would just ask everybody to tighten up, you know, and if you're emotional or you, you, or you can't react in a way that's Christ-like, then back up. We all have the moments we got to back away from the keyboard, <laughs> back away from the mic and just take some time to pray. Uh, we all yeah. go through that. But some of our commentary is just not helpful. And the things that we're promoting and encouraging uh, are, are beneath what who we're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's right, man. Well, uh, 
All right. Well, you know, it's going to be a good week because the Buffalo Bills won this Sunday. Um, so so I know that we're all going to be. Uh, Maybe it I, is know, the just... apocalypse. Wasn't the apocalypse supposed to come? <laughs> we're all <laughs> just going <laughs> to. <laughs> we're all just going to be. <laughs> oh, man, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that's, 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 that's what they were predicting. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just I'm not gonna let you bring me down. Uh, we're, we're just <laughs> we're just gonna soak in this Bills win, apocalypse or not, and we'll we'll see you next week, y'all. Take care. Yeah. They always told Will he was too short to play basketball, but Will never listened. Will let his work ethic do the talking for him. Always in the gym, always running drills. Will knew where there was a will, there was a way, and he was Will. But then. After his second child was born, he realized the pros were all way better than him. So Will gave up and buried his high tops in a tearful ceremony. But one day, he heard that Geico could save him money on car insurance. So he switched and saved a bunch, which was awesome. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.375%, APR 4.65%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 2.13% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 33. 